chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into the Online Inquirer podcast. We are live on our YouTube channel. So thanks to all our live YouTube listeners. We enjoy doing this. And uh, thank you for joining us on your lunch hour or wherever you are listening to this podcast, whether you're in the car, working out, taking a walk, whatever it is. Uh, we appreciate all you guys. And we got plenty to talk about because the portal is wild. And another Illini enters RJ Melendez. Not a huge shocker, but we will dive into that. It's Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper. If you are watching on the live YouTube, give us a like. Hit subscribe with that, uh, and you'll get notified when we go live. We did the football show yesterday, Joey Wagner and I, breaking down what we've learned so far during the spring scrimmage. But Derek, this portal is crazy. This is, this is madness, man. Like This is the real madness in college basketball, more so than the NCAA tournament we just saw. Mm, the names, Jeremy, the names. Hunter Dickinson... LJ Cryer yesterday, Max Aismas, a uh, familiar one, David Jones, and he sent that in the group message right before we hopped on this pod. Um, hello, old crazy. friend. <laughs> What's that? I said, hello, old friend. See yeah, a couple right? guys uh, enter for the second or third time here. There's quite a bit of that. I know that he would be a grad, but you're going to have some guys that are in the portal now that are trying to move for a second time. We'll see how the waiver process goes for them. There's buzz of some others. Could continue to enter the portal. Those that have NBA draft decisions, those that maybe want to seek bigger NIL or, or whatever the motivation is, I don't think we're done. We're going to continue to see some waves over the next couple of weeks. But this is – it's entertaining. It's frustrating when you lose a player you want to keep. We're going to get into that. I think with RJ, obviously Jaden Epps is one of those as well. But uh, it's only getting wilder. And I, I think that as we were on the forefront of it, we wondered if after a couple of years – I know we're still in the early window of it – would it level off? Would it calm down? Those that want to move and can't move again, I don't know that it will calm down. I think that it's it's the new world right now, and I know people are frustrated about some lack of continuity and roster turnover, but it is, it's not necessarily just a – it's not just an Illinois issue, but it's something they're going to have to try to navigate and figure this out as we go. Yeah, and I feel like it's too early to draw big conclusions about the portal era and what is the best way to build. Right, Because when we talk about Jade Nepps and R.J. Melendez, those guys played a ton, yet they still transferred. Adam Miller played a ton. Andre Cabello played a ton. Yet they, they still transfer for whatever reasons we could dive into later. But then you look at this Elite Eight Final Four, Derek, and you see UConn with several key transfers. You see Kansas State with several key transfers. You see Miami, a team that NIL built. So is the best way to try and you know, get a bunch of guys together, develop together, kind of like Brad Underwood did with his original group at Illinois. And you add these really good prep prospects and they all stay together. It, it, can that happen moving forward? I don't know. Um, maybe some examples are out there. I guess FAU would be one of those. Uh, the guys are kind of stuck together, but uh, you know, Gonzaga's added from the portal too. They're not just a development program either. 
So, or is it just to build a one-year roster and hope it all clicks, just like it did for for UConn, Miami, Kansas? I don't have an answer to that. Uh, but clearly, Illinois, you're going to have to do a little bit of both, right? You're going to have to continue to recruit good prep prospects, but also attack the portal uh, really vigorously. Yeah, you said it right there, a little bit of both. I think if you don't touch the portal, you're going to be left behind. And I know that we've made a lot, and a lot of people have, of what Tom Izzo didn't do in the portal this past year. He did get, uh, a few years ago, Tyson Walker and uh, obviously Joey Hauser. But uh, I've been critical of him not going out and get a big man. But uh, – that was the Big Ten team that went the furthest. As far as I know, everybody. And the other, and the other one, and the other one. Sorry to interrupt. The other one that won the Big Ten championship, though, got upset by a 16 seed. Um, was Purdue? They won a Big Ten championship with continuity. So, uh, listen, yeah. I, I do think they're missing out on some talent in the portal, and of course, Hauser Walker are guys who, who transferred in, but their secret weapon right now is is continuity. But do you cap yourself when when maybe you don't attack the portal as much as others? I don't know. I don't know either. UConn had it right. I mean, they went out and got some big-time recruits, Sunogo, Jordan Hawkins, and then complimented with some transfers. I think that's the ideal way to do it. If you have to bring in a a star, uh, obviously Illinois last year had to get two stars, Meyer and Shannon, and we we spent so many hours of podcasting talking about chemistry and talking about uh, making it all fit. I I think it's just going to be really interesting to see the approach from Brad Underwood this year. And early indications they just want to go after some really talented dudes and yeah they're addressing needs point guard shooting uh, I, I think that we can see if this squad is just more fitting together basketball wise like having the more boxes checked than they did last year but uh, will it be something where they make decisions if you have maybe a one-year guy versus a multi-year maybe the one-year guy's more talented but you'd rather have the, the guy for two years we'll see as we go along if that's decisions you want to make because it would be nice to have both you have okay one year we're going to be really competitive have a chance at a big 10 title or a deep run but at the same time we feel good about a handful of guys coming back and with the multi-year transfers those guys have already moved so maybe you're not you are less threatened by them moving again at least in theory and as far as what we know about the portal world as it stands today i.e dane danger Right. Uh, If he, you know, could transfer, would he have transferred or felt good about being eligible right away? Would he have transferred? I don't know. There's, there's multiple guys who are entering the portal for a second or third time this off season. That's a good example too. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. I want to dive more into this is, is kind of a bigger picture with Illinois, but let's dive into the news of Monday, which uh, Derek, I know you were all over that. This is not a surprise. RJ Melendez is entering the transfer portal. But uh, what is your take on Illinois losing yet another underclassman after this year who's a sophomore, going to be a junior, entering the portal even though he was a starter? I think it's disappointing uh, because as he progressed down the end of the season when he went through all the turmoil of missing shots and uh, we talked in February that it could be a situation where if the season ended at that point and RJ hit the portal, it would probably be the least surprising thing of the offseason. But – Uh, That's not to say that this was a huge surprise, as you talked about. Um, I think that no doubt Illinois wanted him to stay. They got some indication after the season that RJ was was okay with staying as well. But, of course, you have conversations with with those around you, your family, uh, advisors. I mean, you got to remember a lot of these guys rep by agents. And uh, it's just – it's the the, the norm right now. Uh, A guy that has not hit his his ceiling after two years here at Illinois. Now – that's not to say he's blaming Illinois for, for that being the case, but 
can they replace him? Absolutely. Can they upgrade? Yeah, I think they can. If you look at the portal, I think they can get somebody that is more proven that could come in and, and, and be a, a better asset. But when you talk about continuity, when you talk about who RJ could become as a player, I thought that down the stretch, defensively, he really locked in, played with consistent energy, attacked the rim, showed his athleticism. And maybe that shot came back through an offseason and going into being an upperclassman. So you, you look on paper, 37% from the field, 26% from three. It was, it was a rough year for RJ. So uh, if he felt like he needed a, a fresh start, a new situation, I don't think Illinois was going to guarantee him, like, hey, we're going to build this around you type. But, of course, like you said, he was a starter and, and was yeah. someone that was a, a rotational piece. So it's one of those, like, similar, like I mentioned on the front end with Epps, you don't want to lose guys that you want to keep. But can they upgrade or can they address it? Yeah, I think they can. Yeah, I think there's two sides of this conversation, Derek. Absolutely, you can upgrade over a guy who averaged, you know, six points. As you said, shot 37%, under 30% from three. But now you have to replace him. Like, that's – there's some cost of that. And and RJ, through all his struggles – and I had a conversation – I had two conversations with him in Des Moines at the NCAA tournament, and and it was – he gave so much credit to Brad Underwood and his teammates for showing faith in him, supporting him. In the end, it wasn't enough for Illinois to keep him. Like he, but he seemed bought in on the court, right? He was playing his role on defense. Like This is a guy that I think thought he could make a huge sophomore leap, be an all-Big Ten player. In hindsight, that doesn't seem all that realistic. But some of us were talking like maybe he's one of those guys who could take a huge leap because we saw flashes last year. But towards the end of the year, he started to play his game. Averaged eight points over the last seven games. Shot about you know 40% from three during those games. There's a smaller sample. Didn't shoot that many. But And then the NCAA tournament game, you saw what he is. But most importantly, he seemed bought into the program. He seemed bought into Brad Underwood, the coaching staff, and what he had to do to succeed and help the team succeed. So I do think it's a loss because I don't think he was shooting 20-something percent from three again this year. I, I think he could have been a good Big Ten starter, and now you have to go replace that. But I don't blame Brad Underwood for this. Like, I mean, Brad Underwood with R.J. Melendez showed more faith than anybody in R.J. Melendez this year, and I, I thought it started to pay off towards the end of the season. But for whatever reason, R.J. wants either a fresh start or he feels like he can have a better opportunity elsewhere. And if he picks a school like Brandon Pajimski picked a school, I can see R.J. Melendez having a great season next year as a two-way player. Uh, but I could also see him, you know, like Illinois had couldn't just promise him the moon, right? Like they had to go into this offseason saying, hey, you need to improve too if you want to be a top three, top four guy on this team. Yeah, that's how you have to approach it. You got to have guys that are willing to to compete for their roles. Not to say that he wasn't. It's just like you also said. I, as we went into the off season, as RJ started to come out of it and, and showed some promise, and, and Brad talked glowingly about him after that Arkansas game. Like, so yeah. that's, that's that's the RJ that I expected to have the entire year. And um, I always thought that people, whether it's RJ contemplating his decision or people around him, they could never blame Brad like you said for for moving off of him saying yeah. hey this guy's not working I'm, I'm not going to roll with him I'm not going to give him the opportunities he continued to give him starts even when we were like man do you see his numbers from three do you see the streak that he's in we were the ones calling for him to come off the bench not Brad <laughs> yeah I know and, and he continued to, to get those chances so uh, I, I believe RJ I don't think it was just 
coach player speak when they're in front of the mic when he's talking about that it meant a lot to him yeah. uh, but at the same time yeah he is going to look for a different opportunity and when you talk about someone that's gone through the process of uh, Coleman Hawkins is a great example Coleman as a sophomore had struggles some early success then struggles and you wondered like maybe is he going to look around he fought his way through it he stayed bought in and now he's someone that could be a foundational piece going forward if he were to come back obviously he was part of that this this past year and ideally as you put this together yes you want talent yes you want to check a lot of boxes on the court you want guys that are bought in on the coach and the program and it means something to them to play for Illinois that's where if keeping guys for multiple multiple years has a lot of value unfortunately RJ is not gonna be one of those yeah and I think it's fair Derek to look at kind of a wider picture here the last three recruiting classes you've brought in 13 players from the prep route, right? You have five of them left, right? Like that's, that that's, that's worthy of a little bit of concern that, you know, like Adam Miller, I, I don't, I don't blame Illinois for that one, but he left, right? Like Andre Corbello, I think he all, we all know he needed a fresh start, but wasn't able to stick around for, for longer than, than two years and, and become the player we, we thought he could be. Uh, Brandon Pajimski understand why he left and he picked a great spot and that worked out incredibly well for him. Uh, and, and now you have, you know, Melendez and, and Sky Clark and Zachary Perrine and uh, Jaden Apps was a was a really, um, you know, surprising one. Given if you would ask me in February, like I would have said, RJ Melendez probably transfers. Jaden Apps, he's like a go-to player, top two leading scorer on the team in 2023. Uh, so th- th- those hurt. Th- those do hurt at some point to your program. Even though I am confident Illinois will go get talent equal to. Uh, or close to in the portal. I, I still think it's there's value to stability. There's value to continuity. Definitely. And you look at the percentages as far as who's stayed through a recruiting class the last few years, and it is jarring to see bringing six freshmen last year, three are left. You look at the previous class, and you had Goody, Pajemski, Melendez, two-thirds are gone, literally two of the three, and that Luke is the last one standing. And then the previous class before that, Coleman Hawkins was part of a four-man class, and he's the only one left. So pretty much freshman year, you lose 50%. Sophomore year, two-thirds are gone. And then by the time you're into year three, you got like 75% gone and, and 25 retention. Maybe that's just a normal rate. I, I know a lot of people have asked, what's the percentages around the country of these guys staying? I honestly don't know. But yeah. we've seen it with like Frankie Collins leaving after one year at Michigan or Tamar Bates leaving was a bigger recruit for Mike Woodson after two years in Indiana when they're going to have a lot of roster turnover. It's not just Illinois, but yeah, for sure. When you, when you look at it and you try to have guys that are on the same page, cause let's be honest, fans don't want to hear that going into next year where it's like, yeah, we're really talented and we have a high ceiling, but we haven't played a whole lot together and we're still meshing the chemistry. We're trying to figure out how, who the leader is. If you do that every year, how high is the likelihood, likelihood that you're going to get to where you ultimately want to go? That's, what people are trying to yeah. to see build here, but I, I get a lot of people, a lot of coaches are in this similar position too. It's just an unfortunate trend. Just a product of the portal too. Yeah, we're kind of in this gray area, right? Because like you know, people pointing out the question like, who's the last four year player for Brad Underwood that he recruited? I, I mean, he didn't. He technically recruited Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams, right? I would assume it was good enough to go pro after one year. He stuck around for three years. That's a win. Kofi Coburn. 
was probably good enough to go pro after two years, decided to come back for a third year. Um, but Coleman Hawkins would be his first that, that he signed that would go through four years, and Coleman still has to make his NBA draft decision. But again, like when guys go pro when they're good in college um, or guys leave when they don't feel they're making the impact or getting the playing time that they want or guys just leave because that's what they want to do or Derek, it's the thing to do. Like there, there's yeah. a little, I, I feel like there's a little bit of development of, now oh, let's go on the transfer portal. Let's see what happens. Whether it's, I want to make more NIL. I want to see a coach. I want to get recruited. I just want to go somewhere different. Uh, I want to play for a different play style. A lot of these, I mean, it's more than 30% of college basketball is going into the portal right now. Yeah, maybe it's like, I want a different girlfriend. I'm going to transfer. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think- bet there is a guy or two that, that have that, Derek. They just want, yeah. You said it. You said it all right there. I do think that as we go along, maybe hitting the portal is going to even be more of an instance of, yeah, NIL negotiations. If you're not getting an NIL, you're trying to go get it. If you make a certain amount, you're trying to get more. So that's part of it. Roles, part of it. Um, yeah, it's just – it's part of what you're going through with the, the whole deal. And, and I brought up like Michigan and Frankie Collins. They also have the, the instances of bringing in, when you bring in high caliber guys, we talked about that with, with Jaden Epps, you have a lot of expectations. You also have guys that expect to be going pro earlier than the four-year mark. Part of Juwan Howard's issue is guys are leaving after one year or two years, like Kobe Buffkin right. leaving. Obviously, Jet, you had uh, last year with Diabate in uh, Houston. So, uh, the turnover is going to be there. Even guys who might not even be mad at you the way they were used or how they were coached or what their girlfriend situation was, they might just want to go pro. They might just want to want to explore that opportunity as well. So uh, you're factoring all of that in. Uh, I we we talk about it. It's easier for us to say, but how much can you evaluate that more in terms of like player motivation, what they really want, what their ability to when when it's Illinois and it's Brad Underwood. Let's be honest. How hard can they be coached? Yeah. Like, how much can you evaluate that in the high school ranks and really have a good feel of how it's going to play out, how much they're bought into the process? Those are all things that were there before, but can you find a way to even dig in more on that? Or is it like just having smaller freshman classes, smaller recruiting classes and understanding that there's more risk bringing in five, six guys because some aren't going to play and those guys will transfer and – even the guys that play, Jaden Epps, um, Sky Clark, will transfer anyway. So uh, I think that's part of the shakeout. And, yeah, it's it's hard to figure out. It is on a case-by-case basis. And uh, some people are are not having this caliber of turnover, like this, this high of rate. But uh, it is happening a lot uh, when you look at the numbers in the portal, too. Yeah, again, the, the only two schools I can think of in the Big Ten that aren't are, are Michigan State, which I'm really intrigued by what Izzo is doing. Um, he he kind of neglected the portal last year, but it led to a Sweet 16 berth, a solid Big Ten season. They were kind of above average, uh, but it was a good team. Uh, and then it kind of feeds into this year where you might keep all those guys and, oh, add Xavier Booker and, and Jeremy Fears, two five-star recruits. So maybe that's continuity is his path to the top of the Big Ten. I think it's certainly been Matt Painter's path to the top of the Big Ten regular season, but he obviously needs a little bit more – NCAA tournament success and again that's what everyone cares about so um yeah I I don't have answers it's kind of a gray area of college basketball where everyone is trying to figure out like what is the best path to go how do we keep people happy yet keep people accountable right like you still have to like I'm a parent you're a parent Derek and I know Cade's a little younger but at some point you have to yell at them like that is an effective way of communicating a point when it is used properly 
but at the same, like, does that run them off? Like, it's it's a crazy time for coaches, and they got to figure out that. And I think Brad Underwood's is I'm not going to rely on a five or six man prep class ever again. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of split the the difference here with transfers and and uh, hopefully get some multi year guys. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that is going to be smaller recruiting classes, and then we'll see if it's more or, or just dabbling with multi year transfers, trying to complement that with some some big one-year rental swings and, and see if you can get to some of the top guys in the portal, but also complement with uh, a guy that might stay two or three years and, and understand that they could be a, a development piece. Because Brad Underwood's going to continue to talk about, now can you develop in one year? I think Terrence Shannon would be an example where they're going to say, yeah, we did. We took a guy that probably wouldn't have gotten drafted last year and has a chance to, to get guaranteed money this year. But ideally, you want to have that really mature over a longer period of time and uh, we'll, we'll see if, if that can happen for them. But I know it's <laughs> it's crazy because, yeah, some that are going to stick to the guys they have, and we'll see if, if Izzo can keep this up. Now, I'm not saying he's hit the, the pinnacle or anything, but uh, those that he recruits to continue to keep them happy and keep them there at Michigan State. And, and if he wants to continue to say, I don't want to dabble too much in the portal, can that, can that work for him? I, I don't know. All right, Derek, I want to bring up a bunch of big names that have just entered the portal, including one uh, Big Ten guy, uh, which I is so intriguing. I got to ask you a big question, though. Coleman Hawkins has entered the draft. Why hasn't Terrence Shannon declared for the NBA draft? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. He's still got a lot of time. I think we all expect it to happen. Yeah. Um, maybe Terrence is just enjoying his offseason and kicking back and uh, – Defending Brad Underwood on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, he has been doing that. Uh, coming up with some good, some good gifts to send out. But um, I, I don't have any expectation that he won't. I'm, right. We can speculate on it. I, I think that it makes all the sense in the world to enter the draft, to go through the process, to go to the combine. Is he trying to weigh between going in and whether he's going to keep it open or not? Like he could do Illinois a favor if he's leaning towards staying in, just say outright, like Kofi did last year, I'm going in, I'm not coming back out. Now, I don't know because I think the feedback has been that he is open-minded to coming back to Illinois and conversations have been had on that front, uh, discussing what an NIL situation could look like for him. Obviously, we've talked about and you've mentioned the NBA draft class next year isn't as strong. Could he go into the first round? I'd be surprised if he just flat out says – forget the NBA draft. I'm not, I'm not declaring. I'm just coming back. Like I, that personally wouldn't make a lot of sense to me, but you're going to do the Leo uh, DiCaprio and Wolf of wall street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coming back. But um, maybe it's all just a, it's, it's all just a little bit of a delay. Maybe he's too busy recruiting Hunter. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to lead into that, but if he's a top 40 guy, like people say, Rationally, it doesn't make a lot of sense because you're probably going to get a guaranteed contract of millions of dollars. Um, but maybe he loves – like, he certainly seemed to love his year here. So, I haven't completely shut the door on Terrence Shannon coming back for another year with the age of NIL being what it is. At the same time, like, it just – you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense on paper, right, for him to do that if he is uh, what these most NBA draft prospects or experts say he's ranked in this draft. Speaking of – there's some talk of super teams, Derek. Hunter Dickinson once wanted to play with Terrence Shannon. Coleman Hawkins openly wooing 
Hunter Dickinson on Twitter. I love Coleman Hawkins his last month. Just uh, everything he's doing, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of. Uh, maybe outside of some turnovers against Arkansas, but Jordan Walsh was really good. Um, what do you think, Derek? Uh, Illinois Hunter Dickinson. Let's do a, a fan 180 on Hunter at Illinois. I mean, everybody in the country's got to be at least interested, right? They have to be. Uh, Illinois is interested. They're among those. Uh, sounds like they've reached out to him. There's been a conversation. Um, we've heard that Hunter's at least interested in listening. Um, I don't know where it goes beyond that. I think he's going to listen to a lot of people. Why wouldn't you? Especially those that are in that top range or top 15, top 20, how it grades out in terms of NIL, how Illinois used Kofi. He wanted to play with Terrence. He even said when we were up in Minneapolis for Big Ten media days, there was a reporter going around who in the big 10 would you love to play with and everybody got asked it and hunter's answer without hesitation terrence shannon so uh could that be in the works possibly the bottom line for me number one i i said man this is weird that hunter's in the portal i thought it was weird that kofi was in the portal when you have someone with hunter who's especially is like an established villain at one place and an all-american at one point in his career it just seems like i don't know him moving just doesn't doesn't feel right now he's going to be a grad so he could have done it 10 15 years ago so that's his choice to make uh and and everything about that but uh for me i don't see him coming to illinois because i think there's some part of the the friction the rivalry that you just can't get over like is he gonna come to a place where they're holding up posters of kofi with a a baby-sized hunter dickinson on his lap like and all the (laughs) trash talk that's gone back and forth I, i just don't see that i don't see that Okay, I, I got to throw these out there, though, because we can talk about how fans hate him, and I understand it, because Hunter loves to be hate. I love what he has been for the Big Ten. You've heard me this entire time. Like, I just love what he brings to the rest of the Big Ten, because everybody who's not a Michigan fan hates him. And now, hey, Michigan fans hate him uh, now. Uh, Kenny said, no fan of Hunter Dickinson, but if he can make the team better, let's get him. Uh, Gawthorpe, Hunter likes playing the villain, so coming to Illinois would be fitting of his personality. I agree. Go full heel. Make this Illinois-Michigan thing. Uh, take it another notch up. And, and I think he'd embrace being Kofi's son and, and all that. Like <laughs> Kofi being his daddy, all that. Like He's never beat Brad Underwood, so why not join him? Do the Kevin Durant. It'd be entertaining. And, man, it'd be a great addition. You're talking yeah. about a super team. I don't know if Illinois would have one. They'd have to get a really good point guard and a shooter, but there's potential that Illinois would be – Really, really darn good. I think that the fit with Coleman, if Coleman's going to play the four and Hunter at the five, can make a lot of sense. But yeah, I, I, I'd be here for it. I think it'd be, I don't think Illinois side, whether you're talking to the coaching staff, the players, the fans, they can get over anything that's there pretty quickly. I think the fans could turn uh, around and, and become anyone that's going to clown Michigan and, and make them pull their hair out. They're going to be all here. All here for it. But, yeah, was there uh, was there ever a player the Cardinals got that you hated on another team? Like I, I think of the White Sox, AJ Pierzynski was that guy. Like they, he played for the Twins. I was like, I hate that guy. They came to my team. I'm like I love that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't love Contreras as a Cub early on. I was a little cocky. I mean, yeah, you Cardinals, yeah, you Cardinals I mean, players never good. get cocky. No, definitely not. Yeah. All right, but um. I think Maryland makes the most sense if he's staying in the Big Ten. And Maryland probably has the most buzz of anybody right now in the country because of going back home, can easily say, well, all my ill will toward the Terps is Mark Turgeon based more so than just the school because Turgeon was the one calling the shots then. They just hired his 
former high school coach, was an assistant at Virginia Tech. Mike Jones is now on the staff there. Uh, I believe he played with Jameer Young in high school. So there's that. But as far as Illinois goes, yeah, I mean, why not have the conversation and see what happens? I, I just – do you think he'd do that to Juwan? Yes. You think there's ill will there? You yeah. think he would say? I think he would do that to Juwan. <laughs> I think Hunter would think do so? anything that that he finds entertaining. And okay. dude, like Lauren Tate asked me on DWS the other day, like, how much do you think Hunter's gonna get paid? Five hundred thousand? What would your reaction have been to that, Derek? Way more. If there's a guy who's a seven figure transfer, it's him, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the, one of the most established players in college basketball. Basically, you roll out the ball just like Kofi, and it's almost 20 and 10 every night. And I thought his supporting cast for how talented it was, I thought the system wasn't very good around him. Like, I do think Brad Underwood could do a better job of that. And if you have Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon, add a league guard around him, like, yeah, I think he'd be really excited to do something like that. But he's going to have, you know, Texas has been named with him. Like, any any big-time Kentucky, Kansas have been named with him. Every big-time school should be involved uh, with Hunter Dickinson because, yeah, even if he's a one-year thing, Derek, like he's one of the best players in college basketball next year, one of the top 20 at the very worst. Wasn't Oscar Sheboy getting like 1.5 in NIL? At least that had been thrown out there. Two, like yeah. why not just take all that money and give it to Hunter? Like <laughs> Miami, Miami, why not be interested in him? But uh, I think it'll come down to what really matters to Hunter. If he wants to go back closer to home, whether it's Maryland, Georgetown, I know Syracuse has been thrown out there too. That, that would be interesting. But yeah, the, the big fish as far as NIL, the big programs, Kansas, Texas, like why not? Why not have all of them on the table? And I, if I was him, I'd be taking every call right now uh, and seeing what is all offered and, and what is all talked about, what situations look like. Uh, I think it'd be pretty anticlimactic if he just goes back to Michigan, which I hope uh, at this stage, why not just go full on crazy and then let's just see him going in another uniform but yeah it's I think that kind of can scare you if you're an Illini fan where down the road who's going to be that guy who's going to pull this type of move um, but also it's exciting because Hunter's in the portal and you might see some other names like him whether it's this year or in the years to come it's like Jacob deGrom in free agency man like everybody Justin Verlander everyone should be uh, interested in a guy like that all right Derek some other huge names enter the portal and I want to start with this guy because we had heard some buzz about a month ago he could enter the portal and obviously Illinois has liked his school to go get transfers that's LJ Cryer at Baylor uh ridiculous score undersized for sure probably defensive liability a little bit but you want to talk about a bucket. You want to talk about somebody who can hit threes and doesn't need a lot of space to do so. Uh, LJ Cryer makes a lot of sense for what Illinois needs. And uh, Matthew Meyer sounds like he was talking about what his uh, NIL earnings were at Illinois. So maybe those Baylor guys caught wind of that. You think he was talking bad or good about it? I think he's talking pretty good about it. I <laughs> yeah, think Matthew Meyer had a pretty profitable year. Yeah, definitely. Um, LJ Cryer, one of the most prolific shot makers in the country, 43% from three over his last two seasons. You look at his catch and shoot numbers, 94th percentile, 98th percentile the last two years. He could flat out fill it up. Really, really good three-point shooter. Now it's interesting because secondary ball handler at Baylor wants to be a point guard now. At least that's the buzz around the, the circles there in, in college basketball. Illinois needs a point guard. Illinois needs one of them. They do. 
Um, you look at his assist rates, like he had two assists per game last year. Can he make others around him better? I think that would be a question that Illinois asked themselves. Now, I wouldn't say that they'd sit there and go, we're not going to recruit you because we don't necessarily want you to play full-time point guard. They are going to be very much involved. Uh, Brad Underwood recruited him at Oklahoma State. They were one of the first schools to offer him. I think it was his freshman year when uh, Brad pulled the trigger on offering him. So you have at least some kind of pre-established relationship, knowledge of, of him as a player, and maybe some connections to his high school program. So uh, he'll be highly coveted, though. Yeah, someone that's from just outside of Houston, you wonder if, if – the Cougars are a big player. I think they probably will be. But then again, if he wants to play point guard, they have Jamal Shedd. So that's something to, to evaluate as well. And then Jerome Tang coached him at Baylor. It just Marquise Noel is going to move on. Does he fill those shoes? Um, I think just the shot making is something that even if he is your point guard and like maybe he doesn't make the the extra pass as well or doesn't see the, the role as quick. If he's going to shoot the, at the level he does and you put some talented guys around him that can get their own too, that's very appealing. Yeah. Um, he fits exactly what they need. And, yeah, we can talk about there, there's going to be a lot of competition. But I would imagine if you're LJ Cryer, like Illinois makes a lot of sense for him as well. Um, just a, a proven school. Um, and if you can get a Coleman Hawkins back and you can get another piece in the portal, uh, you could build around him. Like you're our go-to guy. There's no Adam Flagler here. There's no Keontae George here. Um, so yeah, that could be really, really intriguing. Uh, Max Asmus seems like a guy who would maybe stay South Derek, but uh, you talk about a guy who can go get it, uh, get a bucket. Uh, he certainly, he certainly can. Yeah. I mean, one of the most lethal bucket getting guards that's been out there the last three years, a guy that helped Oral Roberts go on that run to the sweet 16 when they upset Ohio State is a 15 seed, and they were really, really good this year. They just lost in that first round to Duke. Um, but 23 points a game, at least in the last three seasons, a guy that shoots a ton of threes and can make them in a, a really good clip. Yeah, I, Illinois should be interested because he's a, a really, really good point guard, one of the top guys in the portal that can really score it, uh, checks the boxes of having run a team, can make threes. They want that. But like you said, maybe it is staying south. Maybe it is following his head coach to Wichita State. And that's something that's also yeah. probably on the table as well for him. But, yeah, you see their number two option there in the portal, according to CBS Sports. I, I would fully expect Illinois to, to make a run at them. I, at him, I think that if they had their choice, they'd rather get Cryer than Asmus, um, at least in, in my opinion. But um, – We'll see. I mean, couldn't go wrong with either one of those. <laughs> Cryer number four on CBS list as we go down. I, I know I just passed Khalil Ware. Uh, I just I'd, I'd have to see Coleman Hawkins make a decision. I think Ware is probably going to uh, decide before then. All right, number seven on CBS Sports list, Ace Baldwin. He makes a lot of sense as a, as a league guard, tough guard, physical, really good defensively, uh, and he can score as well. What do you think of the possibility of Ace Baldwin, uh, who's at VCU? That'd be a huge addition. Illinois is really, really high on him. Already working it and see where it goes. Chester Frazier's had a established relationship. Baltimore native, so he's known him for a long time. Offered him when Chester was assistant at Kansas State. That was back early part of Ace Baldwin's high school career. Uh, interesting will be whether he ultimately follows Mike Rhodes to Penn State. I know that's had some buzz, and, and some expect that to be ultimately what he does. But uh, the A-10 player of the year, defensive player of the year in that league, too. He's a really... Uh, like you said, gritty two-way player. Uh, not the best three-point shooter, but a capable one, but got a, a really, really good passer. Plays great in pick and rolls, can set guys up. 
Um, and he's a he's a dog. He's a, a gritty dude that obviously Chester would love, and, and that that fits Brad as well. So um, he'd be a, a home run get. I saw somebody uh, on our board say, from a, a scale of one to five dogs, how much does he have in him? That that needs to be a new scale in our recruiting evaluation, that. Derek. So Iceball would probably be five star. A dog in him? As far as my eval so far, I think that's a, a five-star dog. All right, old friend Brandon Murray. Is is this is this a time to go back in on Brandon Murray, who took an official visit about a year ago today? Uh, Derek Piper uh, obviously scored at Georgetown, but didn't do so in a, efficiently, shot 32% from three. But he certainly is a talent, but he'll be at his third school in three years. I'm sure he'll get immediate eligibility because of the coaching change. Um, so what do you think of Brandon Murray, guy who, as the go-to guy last year on a Georgetown team, uh, wasn't the most efficient? They loved him in the portal last year after what he did as a freshman at LSU. This past year, the numbers, whether you're looking at the, the deep dive analytics or just the, the very surface level stuff, weren't very good. I mean, he was productive, but his shooting percentages weren't great from three. His turnover rate wasn't very good. And at the same time, they, they think he's a really tough two-way guard in a situation where he's not the maybe the guy where you run everything through him and he takes a high volume of shots. He can be a really good player. Um, and like multiple years of eligibility, but at the same time, is he going to have to sit out or not? That's something that you try to navigate with someone that is transferring multiple times and what's their case for, you said it there, coaching change, how much, but we don't know what the precedence is where the NCAA says, fight out, we're not going to let coaching change be the reason, but can you, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you're going to look at it, um, what his case surrounding probably mental well-being, or that, that's just the reality of it. I think a lot of those cases will be made in that in that fashion based on what's allowed from the NCAA. And uh, I, I think there's a, a decent level of interest in Murray. It uh, sounds like Chester Frazier's been in contact with him once again. And yeah, on the note of taking an official here around last time, uh, or this around this time last year is we could start to see some of those things develop once again in this window. It was right after the national title game that weekend. He took an official to Illinois, made a decision. So maybe some of these guys that we've discussed will start to line up some visits once the dead period's over, uh, which will go through Thursday of this week. We focus a lot on lead guard for a reason, Derek. That is their top need. We've covered that. But they also need somebody who can be a secondary creator, uh, you know, a secondary scorer, right? Like, uh, we saw a name, Justin Harmon from Utah Valley, a uh, Chicago Curry kid come open. Uh, we've talked about Murray. Anybody else on that that kind of you know mold that, that could make sense for Illinois that's in the portal right now? Damian Dunn's another one from Temple that Illinois has uh, done some work on to recruit, six foot five. Uh, fits in that big guard role. I, I'd put Murray, uh, Harmon, and, and Damian Dunn in that category of like you said, secondary playmaker, not that there aren't maybe a couple of other guys um, that could, could do that. Like if you were to get a, a Dalton Connect, who's one of the top guys in the portal uh, out of Northern Colorado, is um, very good on the ball, great shooter. I mean, he's he's a certified stud. So there are some others that if you get them and place them kind of in that two-guard role, and of course would depend, is Terrence Shannon going to be there? I think Terrence could be a, a secondary guy in, in some sense, uh, we saw that you don't sure. probably want him bringing the ball up against right. a really good defender, but um, he can he can create a little bit. And as he further settles into that role, I think that could be something for him. But um, yeah, as you look at Harmon, had a great NIT as they went to the semifinals. Like you said, a Chicago native, 
uh, can shoot it. Not not like a, a knockdown shooter from the outside, but a capable one. Did have a high turnover rate. So as long as he's not your, in my opinion, as long as he's not your point guard, if he's a secondary playmaker, I like that quite a bit. Um, Damian Dunn, efficiency as far as scoring went up and down. But, uh, I mean, he put 30-plus on Vandy in Cincinnati. He's got an ability to fill it up and, and make some plays off the bounce. Any pure shooters that, that we should keep an eye on? Because that's got – like, I would imagine, like, you just give me a guy who can shoot 40% from three. Yeah, I'll take that. Yes. Uh, Dalton Connect is one of those. I mean, he's, he's a high-level shooter. You look at Cormac Ryan out of Notre Dame, a guy that's going through the draft process. I know on paper about 34 35% from three this past year, but uh, some of that was shooting off the dribble. He's a, a very, very good catch-and-shoot guy. You look at the previous season at Notre Dame, he was 40-plus percent in ACC play and also overall in the season. So – uh, someone that's put up 29 in a tournament game on Alabama, knocked down seven threes. I'd take that. Like, that's an Andrew Funk type of guy that I, I would try to plug and play in that type of a role. Uh, Chance uh, McMillian from Grand Canyon, 99th percentile on catch and shoot, six foot three combo guard. I think he's a guy that they're, they're looking at. Um, there's, there's some interest there that uh, he could be someone that comes in and just is a pure, pure shooter. He can do a little bit off the dribble. Uh, as well, maybe in a, maybe someone else that falls in the category of a secondary playmaker, but he's a, a high-level shooter. Bryce Williams out of Charlotte, uh, I, I like him quite a bit. I think that he yeah. uh, is six-seven, smooth stroke, and he's, in my opinion, based on what I've seen, a three-level scorer as well. So help on the wing that's going to be needed. Uh, he fits into that category, of course. I mean, L.J. Cryer definitely <laughs> one of those knockdown pure shooters. Uh, Ace Smith could be that as well. At, there's a number of shooters that Illinois has been connected with, and that's not that's not a pun, and that's not um, also uh, uh, going to be something that we're not you know surprised by because they need that in a big way. Yeah, Derek, and I asked you for for your five questions piece, which people could check out at Illini Inquirer. The timing of this, you kind of mentioned there, like it's a dead period right now today, right? But starting this weekend, I think that's when these visits can start happening. It's probably well you see. A little bit more. Sometimes these transfers don't even take visits. It's not even really about that. But getting them on campus, might hear some more news about that in the, in the coming weeks. Yes. I think that will start to – the ball will roll a little bit more as we get to that window of this weekend. Uh, not to say that, I, that Illinois is going to have an official right off the bat, but uh, you also have to consider, like, in-home visits, uh, going out to see whether it's guys that are on their campuses or uh, guys are going to do in-homes. They, they've done – a few of stopping in on guys. Um, I won't give you guys all that because you should subscribe to Atlanta Inquirer <laughs> to get all that news. But uh, we'll have updates on that as well as we go along. I think they will do more of that. Uh, and then also, like you said, start to get some campus visits rolling. It's going to be decision-making time, I think, for the staff as you go along. Now, who's your real priorities? Who are you going to maybe slow play a little bit more or, or slot them into plan B, plan C? And who are you going to wait on? Because part of the staff's job is to – ear to the ground, who's next? Like yeah. sometimes if you don't know a guy's going to become available by the time they become available, it's already too late. Yeah. So um, I think that there are those that they've heard that could become available that they'll have to decide, okay, he's at this position, but we have these others that are already in and we're working on. Do we wait on this guy or do we go on these others? That has to be something they evaluate and make some decisions on because that could – affect the timing than those that are in the NBA draft process. Usually, like you can look at Matthew Meyer last year, it's typical that those that are in that want to wait until they pull out to really dive in on a decision. Like Matthew Meyer didn't commit until 
late May, which I know fans are like, man, we got another two months of this. Maybe until it's all settled, but um, some will be starting to narrow their list and want to get a thing, get some things done. So that could start to roll here soon. Yeah, and you're right. Ear to the ground for guys like Tim Anderson who have really good connections. It's really important because you know, like last year, they had an inkling Matthew Meyer was entering the transfer portal and that they would have a chance to get him. Didn't mean they were going to get him, but they felt like they had enough there or elsewhere, Pete Nance, whoever it was, that they were going to get a talented front court option. So they didn't have to just go get a guy right away. So uh, I do want to mention that. Like sometimes people ask me with football recruiting, like, should I be worried about the class of 2024 right now? It's like, nah, not yet. Um, but you know, that NBA draft, those guys coming back, Illinois did really well with uh, Matthew Meyer. I mean, you can debate Matthew Meyer all you want, but you probably don't make an NCAA tournament without Matthew Meyer last year. So uh, that second wave or third wave, I guess we call it right now, because we're probably in the second wave, could be really important. I'm just going through the Big Ten transfers. Illinois has lost four guys, Melendez, Lieb, Epps, Clark. Certainly they've had some, some sting from the transfer portal. Indiana has lost Jordan Geronimo, Tamar Bates, and Nathan Childress, they've already added Peyton Sparks. Who got hit harder, Indiana or Illinois? I'd say, oh, man. I'd say Illinois, right? Illinois, probably. Because of Epps. Yeah, I, I agree. Iowa lost Aaron Ewis, so not too big a loss right there. Of course, they lose a uh, guy to the NBA and Chris Murray. Hakeem Hart for Maryland, and Maryland might not be done, um, but they get Jameer Young back, which was pretty big for them. There was a little buzz there for a while that Jameer might also go in the portal. Fortunately for Tur- or not Turge, for Kevin Willard that he went back, but they would be one of those that are really hurt by it if he would have left. No one has been hurt. Well, I guess I should say no because Minnesota might be worse. But Michigan, Hunter Dickinson gone, nothing can compare to that. And when you have Kobe Bufkin and Jet Howard going pro, which is like a kudos to Juwan Howard a little bit for getting that talent and also – those guys shining like the same thing with the the two freshmen last year but uh namari burnett so uh is as good as maybe he could be as a spot-up shooter does not make up for losing one of the best players in michigan history not at all burnett is someone that has unfortunately struggled to stay healthy um was a very high level recruit a five-star illinois fans pretty familiar with him the chicago native that they recruited uh, and tried to tried to get there in the 2020 class but, um, yeah, Dickinson going, and like you said, like to lose Houston and Diabate last year, if they would have gotten one of those guys back, this season could have looked a lot differently. And then Bufkin explodes this year, and then all of a sudden he's going to the draft and leaving. So uh, a different issue for continuity uh, at Michigan. But then yeah. you just had, a, like you said, one of the best players they've had ever just hit the portal. So it's nuts. Tough. Um Michigan State, Pierre Brooks, not a big loss for them. Uh, Minnesota, I think he's had the worst offseason so far. Jamison Battle, Taylon Cooper, Trayton Thompson, Jaden Henley. So two guys or Young and Thompson and Henley you thought could be growing with the program. And then Cooper and Battle were two of their three best players last year. Uh, so Ben Johnson, not going so well there. It is not. I did like the point guard they got in Mark Mitchell Jr., yeah. but – other than that, yeah, it's been tough. And I, you've said it. There's been talk amongst reporters. Like, it, it's got to be – like, Minnesota, how long are you going to sit on Ben Johnson? Like, This is the year. I don't know. And, and I, yeah, I just don't know if it's going to get any better with the roster they're putting together. 
Nebraska, Denim Dawson. Not a massive loss there. They still got Tominaga, so doesn't matter. Uh, Julian Roper for Northwestern. Boo Booey entered the draft. I don't see Boo Booey sticking in the draft. I don't either. So I think Northwestern will be okay. Ohio State, Eugene Brown, nice recruit. But, you know, for where Chris Holtman was a month ago, Derek, that seems like a pretty tame offseason for Ohio State. Uh, Penn State, obviously huge uh, with the with the coaching change. Not a surprise there. That'll be a complete reset. But their new coach, Rhodes, could get Ace Baldwin, right? He, he could, could get Ace Baldwin, then they're yeah. – uh, they got the, the nun. Uh, I forget his first name, but they got a – a guy that's apparently related in some way to Kendrick Nunn that's on their mm-hmm. roster as well. Pretty good player. And if he gets some guys to follow, then they could be in decent shape. Purdue, no transfers. That seems pretty Matt Painter. Um, Come on, Zach Eady. We all want to see it. <laughs> Dan Dockage reported that, in. right? See what the NIL money's going to be. Uh, Rutgers, Dean Reber, and Oscar Palmquist. Um, I think they're adding better talent than that in the uh, recruiting classes. They're doing really well right now in recruiting and then wisconsin jordan davis is leaving you know we heard some buzz about wisconsin haven't had a big loss quite yet so you know i I don't think illinois is quite the realm of what michigan and minnesota are but you know illinois indiana probably that next tier of schools that have been impacted the most so far in the portal they have been yeah it's it's one of the top uh again when you recruit at a certain level you're going to have guys that have very high expectations so I think the turnover rate is naturally going to be more more prevalent, whether it's guys going to the draft like what Michigan's had or it's guys that um, are looking for different situations. And, again, like we talked about, like Jaden Epps, what, what more could you have – in terms of opportunity, could you have wanted to give him? RJ played a decent amount this past year, and uh, it's just something that happens. So, um, yeah, they are on the, on the higher end. I'm, I'm glad that you showed that because I, I find myself wondering, you know, how does Illinois compare to – these other schools out there, but no doubt Michigan's been hit the hardest. Uh, Minnesota, I mean, when you look at the the grand scope of their roster, they're they're up there too. I, I liked Cooper. I thought Cooper was a decent player, and obviously Jamison Battle, when he's at his best, can really fill it up like he did in Champagne for thirty one. So yeah. uh, they're they're having a, a rough go there in Minneapolis, getting that back on the on the ground. Yeah, listen, Illinois has four open scholarships right now. I would imagine, as of right now, if you got Hawkins and Shannon back, you'd want to add three transfers. Right, I think you'd want to add a lead guard that's really good, uh, a shooter, secondary, you know, playmaker, and then probably a front court piece, maybe a multi-year guy who can play along with Dane. But if you lose Hawkins and Shannon, Derek, you get four scholarship players back. Assuming Danger Goody, Harris, Rogers are all back, you'd have four scholarship players back for a second straight season. That's just really tough. Yeah, that'd be really, really tough. So. Um, you know, I, I would sit there and think just based on his stock, Hawkins makes sense for him to come back. Shannon, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. But um, if you get one of those guys back, it's huge. If you get both of those guys back, it's a coup. And Illinois could be one of the better teams in the Big Ten again. I agree. I think if you get those two, you make some waves in the portal, uh, as you'd expect to do, and at least fill some needs. Like if you yeah. get a, a very, very good point guard, you get some shooting, and maybe you add one more piece, like you said, in the front court. That could be a really, really good team, especially if you have the internal development. If a guy like Ty Rogers takes a step forward that he possibly could. If Dane, coming off his first year, can uh, get more just feel for the game and make less mistakes and, and get back to playing uh, a lot better defense in the drop. And Sincere, if he can help his shooting uh, and just 
get stronger. I think it's something that could really help him. If, if all that comes together and you get those guys back, this could be a really good team. Now, if you hit some home runs and you get those guys back, they could go pretty deep. And we'll be having another conversation. Some will be skeptical because we'll, again, be yeah. trying to, to piece some things together. But I, at least I would love the fact if if Shannon and Hawkins are coming back and you got Goody in the mix too, theoretically you shouldn't have to worry about leadership. And you should maybe have enough continuity to feel at least good enough to where guys are complimenting versus leaning on a bunch of new guys, whether it's freshmen or transfers. Um, even just getting Coleman, I think, helps you in that yeah. in that sense. If you so, have Coleman, Goody, and Rogers, I would feel okay about leadership and doing things the right way. And right, I, I would feel good about that because those guys have been through some stuff. Um, you know, Goody's seen winning. Hawkins has seen winning. They've also seen yeah. some struggles towards the end of last year. And I think Ty's just innately got that in him. Sincere is innately got, you know, just a fire in him that, you know, obviously Illinois football defense coordinator Aaron Henry would love. Um, but then you're just talking about how do we get on-court chemistry with making these pieces fit. And that's that was a big part of last year was you didn't have a, a lead guard. You didn't have a veteran guard. So that would be your focus moving forward. So I agree with you, Derek. Like if you can get, I think Hawkins especially, but Shannon I think has some leadership in it. I think you feel more comfortable in his second year. But I think Coleman, you've started to see some leadership out of him late in the year. And I think he learned what not to do at times this year and what he has to do to be a leader. Yep, for sure. Uh, and I, You have to like the way that he's gone to bat for Brad and, and the program um, and just what he's learned through the the – Becoming into a, a regular starter, playing more of a, of a marquee role, and uh, I, the opportunity for him to take some strides forward and really improve his stock could, could mean a lot for him to come back to Champaign. And I think a I think a pure point guard to set him up could be something that could really help him, or just take off some pressure. The playmaking uh, he could definitely help Illinois if he shoots three at a high level, higher level, because really been waiting for that. He's supposed to be this, this stretch you out five or four. Um, that can maybe play pick and pop. I think I'd be really intrigued to see that. But, yeah, there's no doubt if he can come back um, that he would, from a chemistry standpoint in the locker room, could really help you. Love to see it all play out. There, there's so much variance in terms of how this thing could could turn out. I mean, you could end up with just a loaded roster of talent and, and check all the boxes and, and get some draft decisions that fall your way. You could feel really good. Or you, we've talked about Michigan last year when they had some maybe toss-up draft decisions in Houston and Diabate went against them they thought they were getting Shannon in the portal they didn't they didn't they lost Collins like their offseason didn't go well and, they and the difference an IT team. difference Illinois doesn't have a Hunter Dickinson in the middle of it right like Hunter Dickinson just you know carried them and they had a couple you know Jet Howard five-star prospect coming in um so yeah it'll be intriguing this next month and a half Derek of oh the possibilities uh for illinois basketball it's exciting it's nerve-wracking reminds me of last year (laughs) because we're kind of sitting on the same fence with a kofi decision with you know would they be able to get terrence shannon uh or would michigan get him would they be able to get matthew meyer would north carolina or texas tech get him uh but we'll we'll reconvene next week Derek, because i'm sure there'll be another round of of names like whoa that that guy's in the portal now I'm sure there will be. We might even have some visits to talk about, uh, which we can update you on. And um, I know that fans will hope we're not going to do, in the meantime, an emergency pod on another guy leaving. Um, I don't expect that, but you you just never really know. Um, We'll cover it, whatever happens. And, yeah, it's going to be – it'll be entertaining for sure. 
But real quick, I, before we get out of here, yeah, I do got to ask you: if Tomonaga went in the portal, what's what's the Werner NIL evaluation? Oh, half a mil at the very least. Um, man, he is. I mean, not only is does he fit a huge need for Illinois, uh, but ju- just the. I mean, that kid's going to make a ton in jersey sales. I mean, if, if everybody in Nebraska does not have a Tomanaga jersey, what are you doing with your life? I mean, I I mentioned it like two years ago. Like, just the joy that kid plays with is isn't contagious. And then he's a hell of a basketball player. Um, you know, I think sometimes it takes us a while to get over, like, oh, somebody looks different or they're from somewhere different. Like, can he hoop? That guy can hoop. Like, he, he can attack the basket, too. Um, yeah, I love everything about him. So, yeah, he'd be my number one target. Sorry to Ace Baldwin or whoever else. LJ Cryer, give me Tomonaga. <laughs> what if you had LJ Cryer at point guard, Tomonaga in the backcourt with – Final four, done. Shannon, Hawkins, and Dickinson. Final four. I mean, that's, that's a ridiculous offensive team. I'd worry a little <laughs> bit about the backcourt defense. I think yeah. Brad, Brad might have a coronary over that. But let's be honest, offense wins a lot of times. I know UConn plays good defense, but their offense was even better. Maybe you throw Baldwin in there instead of Cryer if you want you some go. more defense. But maybe you just outscore people. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I was going through the chat, and, um, man, chatters. Like, if, if you don't want – if you don't, like – have good feelings about Illinois basketball. Why are you on here and trying to make everybody else miserable? I'm looking at you, Dominic. Man, just picking battles in there. So usually I go through there and, and get a few questions. Uh, but since you just asked me that, uh, I'll ask you, Derek. Taylor asked, what's the pipe dream of transfers for Piper? Mm, that's a great question. I, I think right now I'd love to get Ace Baldwin. I think he's a pure point that can run things. They can play defense at the point of attack. If you could sell LJ Cryer on being more of a combo role and being someone that can have the ball in their hands, but not just the, the guy you rely on as the setting the table, I think you're, he's probably going to want that. And I get it. If you want to go in all in on that, then I, I. Could you play LJ Cryer and Ty Rogers in the backcourt together? Or LJ Cryer and Sincere Harris? In terms of like, you got one defense, do, one offense type. But do you have enough playmaking to make uh, others better? You know what I mean? Like Ty Rogers, I'd feel a little bit better about that. Sincere, I don't know if he's quite there yet. Like you couldn't play right. LJ Cryer and Jaden Epps. Well, I guess Baylor did that anyway with Flacklin. <laughs> had pretty did, good success. But they had a lot of defensive issues. Yeah, they did. And I, I think that. Yeah, you, you wonder about size in the backcourt, defending bigger guards. Cryer, yeah, is and someone that was contributing to, to Baylor's defensive issues. I, you're really going to have to have playmaking in other positions. I, I think Ty's got an ability to take a pretty good step as far as being someone that can create for others this year. I, we're, I think we just saw glimpses of it this past season as he gets more comfortable, uh, can play in a play a little bit more point guard if needed, but just be someone where they're catching the top of the key or wherever it is, drive and kick, just see things. Uh, I think that'll come together. Sincere until proven otherwise. Uh, I, I, there's a lot to like about Sincere, who's yeah. going to be. I, I still hold my breath every time he touches the ball offensively. Yeah, just, just decision-making. And that that's his next step. And that's that's a huge step uh, for him this offseason. But, man, Ty showed a playmaking ability as kind of the lead ball handler at times. That I think with a guy like Cryer, you you could make work. Or a Cormac Ryan, right? Um, yep. Quentin, I'll throw a Dalton Connect in there, too. If I'm, yeah. if I'm doing – the the pipe dream we'll do ace baldwin dalton connect as a shooter you got your point guard your shooter and then you need your big man i mean why not throw dickinson in there 
<laughs> yeah, I, I guess we should say that, uh, right? Like if, um, you know, Hunter Dickinson's not on there, then what are we doing? Because that'd be entertaining as heck. Um, can I throw Shedrick out there? Caden Shedrick? Yeah, for sure. Because like if Caden Shedrick is like long athletic, I think everyone saw him play uh, Virginia had a really good game against Illinois. Not the greatest stats, but when you watch him play, he just makes a huge impact on the game. Uh, has a little bit of skill to him offensively, but mostly he's just a long, athletic, good rebounder, tough guy, big body. I think he and uh, Dane Danger Man, if you had that as your five rotation, that'd be ridiculous. Now selling Shedrick on rotating with Danger and having Danger be happy with splitting minutes is is difficult. But I, I would throw him probably into my mix of ideal situations. But we'll see how ideal the portal gets. I know they really like him. And that he's someone, like you said, opportunity-wise with Dane back, Coleman having a, a good chance to come back, knowing that they played Coleman at the five decent amount last year. Coleman and Shedrick have some some similarities. Now, he's not as dynamic off the bounce, and you got a little bit some some differences. Uh, but in terms of being a legit shot blocker, good athlete, someone that has skill you can tap into. Like, he was hitting 15, 18-foot jumpers against Baylor, like when he put went off for 17. He didn't do that the rest of the season in terms of that consistency. But two years of eligibility, a lot to like with who he could be and if he would be willing to split some time at five. And um, I don't think Dane's guaranteed the starting five spot by any means. I think that's something they could go out and sell. Like, hey, you come in and start. Um, but, yeah, there is established guys in competition sometimes is something that – you gotta you gotta be able to combat because he's leaving Virginia to want more playing time and also maybe a, a system that more up tempo and maybe fits him a little better. Last one we'll get here because we're at an hour. Uh, Isaiah Rivera, Colorado State, was that Geneseo? I remember him visiting uh, Illinois. Yeah. Um, shot 40 percent from three, six foot five, two ten. A kid from Illinois, I think, could obviously mean a lot to play at Illinois. I think he's got two years of eligibility left. I had to show some interest, Derek. He'd be on my list. If they're 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and shot 40% from three, put him on the list. And he's happy to be a role player because that's obviously what yeah. he'd be at Illinois after averaging nine points a game at Colorado State. So That's a good call as well. I think that's important. Um, A.J. Storr, I know people have, have wondered about him. I haven't heard of Illinois being involved yet, but he obviously was previously committed to Illinois from the state and has the the build and the, the three-point shooting numbers too. But, yeah, I think that's – if if Rivera – is okay with coming off the bench and just not having much guaranteed in terms of role. We'll see how the rest of this thing shakes out and how many spots you really have available. But um, I haven't personally heard of, of interest, at least Illinois reaching out and, and making a legit push for him. But yeah, why not put him on that list of 40% three point shooters that could be a possibility. All right. I just went through Twitter to see if I missed anything real or fake. I don't think we, uh, missed anything else that's what you have to do nowadays Derek is like do we miss anything usually our, our, our YouTube check people are, are good enough with that but all right Derek. You, you have all these guys in notifications like that's I have the Illinois players sure yeah <laughs> I don't have the I don't have all the transfers that you probably do because I got a bunch of football recruits I gotta have on on there so right my phone would be blowing up every 10 minutes probably we just need our guy Trevor to text us anytime that that Goodman hears anything, and then we'll just be in the loop on everything. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe we can get him to do that. All right, Derek Piper, we appreciate you joining us, as always, giving us as much insight as we can at a time that's uh, pretty crazy. It's fun, as always, man. 
All right. Appreciate everybody watching live on YouTube. Hit the like button, please. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to us. Get notified when we do these live shows uh, and whenever we got new videos up. Also, appreciate all you guys listening on the podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Derek has five questions about the transfer portal. We covered some of it, but there's more details, some names in there that you'll want to know. So check that out at IlliniInquire.com. And of course, we'll have the latest on football, women's basketball, everything Illini at Illini Inquire. So everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Line Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.